Park Church of Christ and the Calvary Church of Christ. This preacher, Travis Hutchinson, who's a friend of mine, got up on a normal day, had breakfast with his family, had somewhere to go, so he went out to his car while his kids were playing in the yard. What he didn't see, and what none of his kids saw in time, was that his youngest daughter, who was two or three, had followed her daddy out to the, of the house because she wanted to go with him. No one saw her in time. Travis didn't see her. And tragically, my friend ran over and killed his little girl. Travis and Nicole continue to recover, and by God's grace, my impression is that there has been some semblance of peace that is returning to them and to their household. But I would love for you to continue to pray for them and ask God to bless them. They need your prayers. Last Sunday, there was a tragedy at the Salmon Arm Church of Christ. A church with the same historical roots as the Oak Park Church of Christ and the Calvary Church of Christ. A tragedy took place in which one of their elders, Gordon Parmenter, and one of their other members were shot, with Gordon being killed, almost execution style, by the gunman. The shooter was known to Gord. He'd been mentored by him. Gord had ministered to him. The young man suffered from mental illness. Gordon was to the one murdered him a friend, but mental illness sometimes doesn't care about friendships or what is right or fair, and so sometimes everyone around is a victim, including most certainly the one suffering with mental illness. And sometimes when you put yourself out there to serve others and be vulnerable, harm will come to you. And it came to Gord. Well, what do we do with this? What do we do with the pain that Travis and Nicole experienced? What do we do with the pain that Gordon, Peggy, and their whole family now have experienced? What do we do with this? First of all, to be honest, it's just horribly sad and frustrating. Travis Hutchinson, who's a good man, and Nicole, his wife, a fine woman of God, did not deserve what happened. Neither did their little girl. And neither did Gord, nor his family, nor the church in Salmon Arm deserve what took place. None of them deserved this. If anything, exactly the opposite was what was deserved because they were good people. Gord was a good man. There are people sitting here today who knew Gord and would say that he was a good man. And if you saw the reports and the things that he did, the ways in which he ministered in his community, he was a good man. He and his wife were role models in their community, community-oriented people with a desire to serve. And God, Gord should have been honored while he was still alive, not just in his death. So this was horribly sad and frustrating at one level. At another level, I need to just let you know these circumstances were, from my perspective, not at all God's will. God was not in control of these situations, nor causing them. 
Unfortunately, no one saw Travis's little girl go to the car. She ran to a place that was horribly unsafe and no one saw in time. And unfortunately, it doesn't appear that the young man who killed Gordon Parmenter was in control of the situation either. He was out of control. He was out of God's control. He was out of his own control. He lives in a free world, a world that God created, because it includes freedom for human beings, means that sometimes things go awry. I'll get back to that in a minute. Third, it is not often enough that when we think of children being killed or mental illness, that we actually dig deep enough to sort out their real root cause. Like, where does this come from? And, and I don't dig deep enough when it comes to physical illness. I don't dig deep enough when it comes to mental illness. I don't dig deep enough when it comes to tragic accidents. I don't dig deep enough when there are a thousand other things that happen in my life and in your life that sometimes go awry. And these happen actually on a regular basis. And we don't dig deep enough. We don't dig deep enough when churches experience shootings when little girls are run over by their daddies. So one of the things that I want to say this morning is that I want to remind you that there's a common root for all the horrible things and for all the little irritating things that happen in our world. There's a common root for the deaths of children and for murders in churches, and for mental illness, and for physical illness, and for road rage. You didn't know that I was watching you on the way here this morning, did you? There's a common root for divorce. There's a common root for broken friendships. There's a common root for the unfair treatment of others. There's a common root for racial and gender prejudice. There's a common root for people sometimes going to bed hungry when others are gluttons, for people continuing to make drug deals in the alley behind my house, and for war. By the way, this is where your son or, or your husband perhaps leans over to you and says something like, I wonder if the common cause for things like this that he's talking about is why Johnny Gaudreau can't get to the net, and why, and why T.J. Brody can't seem to stop Nathan McKinnon. What is the deal? And what I want to remind you of this morning, then, is that we live in a broken world. We do. We live in a broken world. There are more immediate causes for things that happen, like we know that food contaminants cause cancer. We know that physical and social abuse of a child may cause mental illness in a child. We know that these things are brought on by more immediate causes, but there's a bigger cause. And the bigger cause that stands behind all these things is that we live in a broken world. Many of us are hoping that some of the ills in Alberta might be cured by an election. But I can tell you it's not going to happen. Not in the big picture. We can solve some problems, but we still live in a broken world. 
And by the way, this story that I'm saying this morning, that I'm telling this morning, it sounds way too familiar because we're used to this. It starts with a tree in a garden and with freedom to make a choice and with human weakness and with the distortion and corruption of just about everything that is good. That's where it all started. And so Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore... Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Now just think about those words for a moment. Death came to all people. You know, clearly that means something else than just we all die. The whole notion that death comes to all people means that there is something death-like about this world in which we live. Death came in. It influenced everything. There isn't anything that is somehow beyond the pale of death, that isn't somehow influenced by that first sin, that first corruption, that first destruction. It impacts us all. It impacts, in fact, everything. And that is why mental illness happens. That's why children are born and die. That's why there's war. Because unfortunately, there is something broken about our world. And so what do we do with this? What do we do with these incidences? The things that we can't begin to control. The things that we, we see on the news and we just want to turn it off. Well, I can't speak for you. Each of us has to speak for ourselves. You have to sort through it and decide what all this means for you. But there are two things that I find myself doing with all this that seem to me especially pertinent today. First, I find myself admitting along with Scripture that our broken world, ever since the first Adam, has been in need of repair. We can't, we can't save, save ourselves. ourselves. We, we can't, can't save our world. We can't save creation. We can't save all of the death-like things that surround us everywhere. Humanity is broken. The world's broken. Creation is broken. And there is nothing we can do about it. But then second... I find myself turning to the one who offered the corrective. And I'm so glad that Paul didn't stop with Romans 5 verse 12. Because here's what he says in verse 15. If the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift, oh praise God, followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned. And that's the problem. Death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. 
Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. And again, it's not just for all people. Paul goes on in Romans 8 and says it's for all creation. All creation groans as in the pains of childbirth, waiting for a coming, for a revelation that will change and transform everything. And so neither death nor anything death-like any longer really reigns. And so that's why, despite the fact that Jesus on this day hung on a cross, we actually call it Good Friday. So many of the tragic things that we've been talking about, along with many more, happened on this day about 1,990 years ago. No, there wasn't a shooting at a church. No, there wasn't a little girl that was run over. But Jesus didn't deserve what took place. He was a good person, a role model to those around him. He was filled with love for others and a strong community-oriented desire to serve. Jesus should have been honored while he was alive, not just in his death. But it's his death. It's the tragedy that was the cross that made possible the repairing of the broken world. And so today we praise him and we do call this Good Friday. That's why this event, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, was more than any other event in the history of the world. Even more than the resurrection, counted worthy of remembrance. We remember it constantly, and we should. It was an extreme act of tragic violence. But it was through this act of tragic violence, this murder, that the world can be made operational again. In this act of violence, everything not just can be turned around, but is turned around. I don't want to sound facetious in any way when I say this, but it is like kind of being in a hockey team we're up seven or eight goals with a minute left. Yes, there's still some hitting that's going to take place. The other team may score once. They might even score twice. They might score three times in the last minute. But they're not going to score seven or eight. I don't care if Satan pulls his goalie. They're not scoring seven or eight. And so the end is a foregone conclusion. We still groan along with creation when a tragedy happens, recognizing that our world is still broken. But Good Friday is good because despite the tragedy of the death of Jesus and our continued presence in this world, the end is a foregone conclusion. We are part of something, even now, even with the darkness that is still present that is ultimately headed toward God's final victory. And for that today, we praise the Lord. What do you think? What do you think Travis and Nicole Hutchinson are thinking about today on the first Easter after their little girl's death? I'm not there. 
but I can tell you. They want to go see her. And there is one way for that to happen. That's going to happen because of this good, good, good Friday. And of course, the resurrection to life that will take place in a couple of days. And what do you think Peggy Parminger and her children are thinking about today? It was not even a week ago that her husband's life was taken from her. Are they not thinking today about the end of everything death-like, where the cross of Jesus makes it so that death, in all its forms, can be swallowed up in victory? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's a good day. It's a good day for us to acknowledge what it is that you've done for us. We can't begin to understand the sacrifice that you made. But in our own humanly limited ways, we accept what it is that you've done. And we thank you and we praise you that you gave yourself that this dark world and all the things that are death-like in it might be overcome and transformed through your death on the cross. And so while we grieve today in so many ways in this darkened world, we know that there's a foregone conclusion here and that you've made it possible. You've even asked us to participate in it, to share with you in the transformation of our world. And so God, help us to respond to your goodness. Jesus, help us to respond to your death by giving our lives and our devotion completely to you, honoring you the way you should be honored. And Father, we pray that you would forgive us our sins. Bless us that we might walk always in you. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.